0: Thank you so very, very much to the uh, Board of Elders and to Pastor Liz for the invitation to come back and be with you in worship, as uh, well as open and study uh, God's Word uh, with you this morning. I'm Pastor Carl Borsma. Uh, Amy and I have had the opportunity to be in ministry in churches in Minnesota in South Dakota, as well as in Iowa. We now reside in West Des Moines. We've got kids and grandkids in the Waukee area. And it is my understanding, uh, Pastor Liz, that you're looking at a series from Hebrews 11. Um, Most of us, if we're familiar with the uh, sports world and athletes at all, we talk about uh, exceptional athletes, and so we talk about the Hall of Fame in football, and, and I believe about 10 days ago was the first preseason NFL game, and during that game I believe they inducted some uh, exceptional NFL players into, the quote, Hall of Fame. Baseball has their Hall of Fame in what town? Cooperstown, New York, right. And, and most of us, if, if we're at all a part of middle school or high school or college or university, uh, we are well aware that most schools have a Hall of Fame. Uh, Amy, uh, last weekend, eight days ago, was attending her 50th class reunion back in Wisconsin and the tour guide taking them through the high school building where, they, uh, where she was in high school, uh, looking at all the additions and the renovations, uh, did take them past the Hall of Fame on the way to the gym and pointed out that one of her classmates still held the school's record in one of the track events. Well, the next day, uh, uh, for Amy and I, both of our sons-in-law are pastors, and and in Waukee, Pastor Josh had officiated at a wedding, and uh, the gal, the bride, had uh, taken care of her grandkids for three summers, so they were all invited and couldn't wait to go. But Timberline Middle School assigned parents volleyball meeting just the time they were at the wedding. And the high school, Waukee Warrior High School, assigned also the football parents' meeting. So they pleaded, Grandpa, could you please sub in as the parent at the volleyball meeting and at the football meeting. And I noticed as I was walking to the gym at Timberline Middle School, they had a Hall of Fame and scooted out of there and went over to the field house at the uh, Waukee Warriors uh, High School, they too had a Hall of Fame. Is it okay to talk about warriors? And, and our other grandkids from Sioux Center, they're also warriors. So go warriors. Amen? Amen? Okay, so we're familiar with, with a Hall of Fame if we're at part of a school. Long before any of our schools thought of the idea of Hall of Fame, Hebrews 11, the author shares with us a Hall of Faith and takes us back into different individuals from the Old Testament who are commended for their faith. Now, it's my understanding that you're in a series on the Hall of Faith, and uh, Pastor Dwayne Layman, I believe, did Joshua last week, if I'm, if I'm recalling correctly, and and it felt led by the Spirit to look at the first four verses of Hebrews 11, 1 through 4, and uh, eventually go back to Genesis, and we want to look at Abel. Uh, but I commend that your Board of Elders and Pastor Liz or whoever's in charge, and thank you to Liz and to Dustin and the worship team and all who are serving behind the scenes. I'm grateful for your ministry, making it very simple and easy for me. But, and I commend that you're in a series studying the Hall of Faith because... The New Testament tells us that it is by grace, through faith, that I am forgiven by God. You are forgiven by God. We can be saved. We can be reconciled to God. Now, once we're forgiven by God and saved by, uh, through the work of Jesus and reconciled to God, then in gratitude and appreciation, we're invited to walk by faith. Now, now, now sometimes... Almost every one of us have difficult times in life. We're throwing a curveball, and we're not walking in faith anymore. About all we're able to do is stand in faith, and and sometimes life gets so difficult. There's so many. There's so much uncertainty. There, or we're hurt. Or there's so much turmoil in our lives, we're, we're not even able to walk by faith anymore about all we can do is stand by faith. And sometimes there is so much difficulty and so much turmoil and so much going on in, in our emotions and in our mind and in our heart about all we're able to do is not even stand anymore. we got to kneel in faith. And the Scriptures say that Effective prayer. People who are righteous, our prayers are effective when we pray by faith. In order that we might overcome by faith, so that ultimately and finally we can be victorious by faith. Now, you take faith out of our lives and what's left? Well, if we can slip to the next slide, please. We're forgiven by God and saved somehow. You and I take faith out of our lives, faith in God, to live somehow, to walk somehow, and when life gets difficult, to stand somehow, and and when life really is in turmoil, to kneel down in prayer somehow, that we might overcome somehow, that we might be victorious somehow. (sighs) Friends, that doesn't cut it for me. So blessings to you as you have this hall of faith Series. It's uh, our prayer that we're all enriched, we're challenged, we're encouraged, we're further empowered in our study of faith. Now, I I believe Pastor Dwayne talked already about Joshua. We want to look at the first four verses of Hebrews 11. If you have your electronic devices open uh, 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 or your Bibles open, we can look at those together. I am in just a moment after opening prayer. I'm going to invite us to look at the screen and read the verses in unison. But first, let's pray together. Holy Spirit, just as you led all the authors of Scripture to put your word into print, please, Holy Spirit, now further imprint God's word on our minds and on our hearts. Further enrich and empower us to grow in faith that we might in sheer gratitude and appreciation humbly Serve you for the growth and the expansion of your kingdom and your church. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Hebrews 11, 1 to 4, and I believe they're on the slides, uh, and, and we're going to look at most of the phrases, and in, in, in a number of the phrases in these four verses. So if you have your Bibles open or your electronic devices open, that'd be great, but uh, uh, we'll look look back at what does faith really involve and how are we enriched in our faith. Let's read it, please, in unison, these words. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was made out of what was visible. By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, Abel still speaks, even though he is dead. Here ends the reading of God's holy and his inspired word. Let's look at some of the things that were taught concerning faith from this passage. Faith generally is belief in someone or something. And as Christ followers, we put our faith in Jesus. As, as ones created by God, we place our faith in the Lord. Now, one of the things that we see in this uh, Hebrews passage in verse 1 it says, faith. Your faith, my faith, is being sure of what we hope for. To put it differently, uh, faith in God puts substance into our emptiness. Theologians have often said that every person has a void or an emptiness in their hearts that only God can fill. And in our family, when COVID uh, COVID hit and the schools closed down and churches closed down, it especially affected two of our grandkids. They really missed worship with the community of believers. They missed Sunday school. They missed kids in worship. They missed Going to school. They missed their teacher. They missed the fellowship and connecting with all the kids in the classroom. They missed their friends. Their, uh, they experienced with COVID kind of a, a void. Uh, They they missed the fellowship and relationships. Life was pretty empty. Now, once in a while, Josh and Heather, parents, uh, they would be to work all day, and so grandpa and grandma ended up trying to uh, connect the kids online and help them learn. Oh, my goodness, folks. Grandpa and grandma couldn't wait for school to start again. Now, it wasn't bad. The teachers did great, but sometimes their connection or sometimes our connection wasn't very good. And after about two weeks of this, Amy and I looked at each other and said, get these students back in the classroom and pay the teachers whatever they want. (laughs) Amen? They need the fellowship and encouragement in the classroom. They need worship. They need church. They need to be with their friends. They need to be socializing. And especially one of our grandchildren, it it was kind of an important friendship developing time. And it it really took about a year, year and a half before she kind of reconnected and started to be comfortable with uh, with, uh, friends and connections and relationships, et cetera, et cetera. Well, spiritually... There's a hole in our hearts that only God can fill. And what we read in Hebrews is that God puts substance into our emptiness, purpose into our vacuum. He brings meaning into the void of our minds and our hearts and our lives. He brings purpose into confusion. And secondly, a second principle we learn from Hebrews 11 is that faith in God puts conviction into the unseen. The last part of the first verse of Hebrews 11 says it this way. Faith in God is being certain of what we do not see. Now at the end of John, Jesus, after he, had been, after he was resurrected from the dead, he came back and he appeared to ten disciples, but Thomas was not there. And in John 21, uh, uh, Thomas said, uh, you ten all vouch for this, but I choose not to believe. Unless I put my finger in Christ's nail print, unless if I put my hand in his side where the scar was, I will not believe. Now, now Thomas didn't have an intellectual problem. He didn't say, I cannot believe. He had a will. He said, I will not believe. Unless I can see Jesus, unless I can touch Jesus, unless I experience the resurrected Christ, I will not believe. And and, and many in, in, in America, many and I will we we can relate. Unless if we see it, unless we experience it, unless we understand it, unless we can figure it out, we choose not to believe. So, God can't figure it out. I choose not to believe. Jesus, really? Did, 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 did he really live us in this life? Did he really die on that cross? Did he really shed his blood for us as the Lamb of God? Did he, was he really raised again from the dead? I can't see it. I can't experience. I just can't figure it out. It doesn't make sense to me. I choose not to believe in Jesus. Hmm. Yet, yet, there's a lot of things we can't see. We believe. Our grandson Judah, they were playing tag on school equipment. And uh, instead of going down the slide the right way, instead of being tagged, he jumped down. Can you, can you see, see, see the picture? Broke his thumb right on the growth plate. Uh, bring him into the um, uh, ER, they take an X ray, they show the X ray, uh, and they believe the X ray, put his hand in a cast, no swimming for a month. There were tears, not about the broken thumb. There were tears about no swimming for the month ahead. We believed the x-rays. A couple years ago, uh, I was short of breath coming from my office downstairs. I'd get to the top of the stairs. I was short of breath. Amy and I looked at each other because all of my mom's family have heart uh, concerns. I have brothers with heart concerns. We went right to a cardiologist. So he suggested putting dye into, into my vein and then they take pictures of my heart while i'm resting on, on the bed and then i get on a treadmill and bring my heart rate up as about as fast as i can about as fast as it as fast as i can run and as and get that heart rate up and then i had to slide right back over on the bed and they took pictures of my racing heart while the dye was going through my heart and veins and, ar- and, and arteries, uh, two weeks later, went back to uh, uh, Lutheran Hospital and my cardiologist, and he said, "I have encouraging news and challenging news. Encouraging news: you have hardly any plaque in your heart, your veins, your article, your your arteries." your valves, your chambers, they all look good. Now the challenging news, you suffer from deconditioning. Now it took took me a moment for that to sink in. What did that mean? Carl, get off of that chair behind your desk and get walking and, 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 and jogging, right? Carl, get out of the lazy boy watching NFL games and, and Twins Major League Baseball games and get biking, right? Deconditioning. Now, I never saw any of the pictures of my resting heart, my racing heart, but I believe the cardiologist. I needed to get back in shape. And, and friends, we, we we all have faith. When you opened your eyes this morning, you looked at the clock. Did you have faith that the clock was right or did you think the clock is wrong? No, most of us had faith the clock was right. And we stepped in the shower expecting hot water. We had faith that the water would be hot. We had faith that the vehicle could get us here. We had faith that the air conditioning was running. We had faith that... There was a service here at 9 30. We had faith that Dustin and the worship team would be ready for us. We, we, we all, friends, we all have faith. We do. Uh, we maybe don't want to have faith, but I am told that we better have faith that schools are going to start in Norwalk in 10 days. Yeah. At least in Waukee, I think it's August 23. Is that, is that true for Norwalk? I think so. We have faith in ultrasounds. We have faith in MRIs. We have faith in x-rays. Our daughter had LASIK surgery with her eyes. She always wore contacts or glasses and it corrected her sight. We know what it is to have faith. Let's put the kind of faith we put in people and things. Let's put that kind of faith in Jesus. Faith puts meaning into life Uh, uh, And then thirdly, faith puts meaning into life. Verse 3, By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command. I I believe past, God created all things. Present, God controls all things. And future, God will conclude all things. And I believe that God had a plan And that's why Carl was born. And I believe that God has a plan and purpose for my life. I believe the world did not come into existence by chance. I believe that I wasn't born by chance. I believe that life is lived not by chance. I believe that God created, God controls, God will conclude all things. He's got a purpose and plan for my life life. And therefore, therefore, God brings meaning into my life. Let's go on to the next one, the righteousness of faith. And here we want to look at verse 4. In the middle of the verse, it says, by faith, Abel. Now we get to a member of the hall of faith. By faith, he was commended as righteous? Let's let's think about that for a moment. You and I are not declared righteous before God naturally. The Bible says that Carl was born with a sin nature that I got from mom and dad. They got from their mom and dad. They got from their mom and dad. And I sin and fail the Lord every day. So there's There is sin that I was born with, and then there is actual sin that I omit to do, or I commit against the Lord every single day. So I am not by nature righteous. Nor can we be declared righteous by good deeds. For a long time, in a very religious family, I kind of thought, you know, I am just going to, like mom and dad, do a lot of good things, and God will declare me righteous. So, back in those days, prayer before every meal, prayer after every meal and devotions, church twice on Sunday, once a month prayer meeting, Sunday school every week, Heidelberg Catechism uh, every week, youth group every week. If I just do all these good things and don't do a bunch of bad things, God will, I'm just by nature, I'm going to be declared righteous. And I watched Mom. They made ham buns and cake and cookies for every funeral. They went to a lot of visitations. They went to a lot of uh, nursing homes and visited people. Uh, they brought meals to neighbors when they were going through hard time. They they consistently prayed. They consistently studied the Bible. If I just do all these things and don't do all the bad things, God will declare me righteous. Well, you know what? All those good things and not doing all those bad things will get you very tired but it won't save you. You and I, before God, are not forgiven. We're not saved. We're not reconciled to God by a long list of do's and a long list of don'ts. Nor are we declared righteous by self-decoration. For whatever reason, we have really gotten ourselves into that in America today well, I'm better than them and better than them and better than them and and I'm not so bad and I do more good than bad so I'm just going to declare myself self-righteous before God. Oh, The Bible says it doesn't work that way. I know it doesn't work with Amy, my wife. If I hurt her, if I do or say something offensive that hurts her, It has never worked for Carl to say, Well, I'm forgiven before Amy. (laughs) That has never worked. (laughs) Never. Instead, I've learned in humility and brokenness, I need to come to Amy and say, These words can be very hard. I'm wrong. I'm sorry. Amy, will you please forgive me and help me make it right next time? I'm wrong. I'm sorry. Will you please forgive me? And I believe that's what's going on with Abel in our passage. And that's what's going on in Luke 18 where the Pharisee is praying to himself and the tax collector, the person in the culture everybody looks down there knows at, the, the tax collector just knelt down, wouldn't look up, and just said, God, I'm a sinner. I'm wrong. God, I failed you. Would you please be good enough to forgive my sin? And the passage says, God forgave the tax collector. God forgives Abel. And that's how we are declared righteous before the Lord. God, I'm wrong. I'm sorry. God, would you please, I'm not good enough. Would you please be good enough to forgive me and save me and reconcile me to yourself. And help me in gratitude to live from here. Let's jump to uh, the beginning of our New Testaments, to Genesis chapter 4, and let's look just a few remaining minutes at Abel and his journey. Let's jump to Genesis 4, reading verses 2 and 4. Genesis, near the very beginning of your Bibles, Genesis 4, verse 2, and we're talking about Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel. And it says in verse 2 that Eve gave birth to Cain's brother Abel. Now Abel kept flocks and Cain worked the soil. Verse 4. But Abel brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. And God looked with favor on Abel and his offering. I believe it was not the product of the offering. This is not a discussion about grain offering versus animal offering. This is a discussion about Cain and Abel's attitude in their minds and motivations in their hearts. And I believe that Abel humbly came to God and said, I'm wrong, I'm sorry, will you please forgive me? And therefore, he was forgiven by God. He was declared righteous before God. So your offering, those working maybe in children worship or the nursery, is different than my offering. Some of the folks in the back doing projection and sound and uh, and uh, uh, the online stuff, their offering is different than my offering. We all have different gifts and skills and and we're called to different ministries, and your offering and my offering it's about. What's the attitude of my mind? And what's the motivation in my heart? That's what God is looking at for. Not whether I'm working in the nursery versus preaching. Not not whether I'm working with the praise team in the front or doing sound and projection in the back. It's not about the gifts and the times and the talents we offer to the Lord. It's about what's going on in our head and in our heart. And I believe Abel was humble, asked for forgiveness, and therefore God declared him righteous. Now what did that righteousness look like? Well, first of all, we see that he's just so grateful to be forgiven by God, he can't wait to worship, and he can't wait to bring an offering. He can't wait to give in gratitude to God. Not because it will save him, it won't. Just in gratitude for the gift of God's forgiveness, The gift of salvation in Jesus. The gift of the empowering and dwelling Holy Spirit. He can't wait to worship and he brings an offering. Friends, I hope and trust we always go to worship in sheer gratitude and thanksgiving and appreciation to God for the gift of forgiveness. So Amy and I don't have to do anything, but she gets to be a care elder in Westview Church this morning. I get to preach here. I get to open God's Word. I get to bring an offering. I get to lift praises unto the Lord. Not because I have to. Not because it will save me. It won't. I get to ensure gratitude and appreciation and thanksgiving to God. Further, I believe uh, he shares as a righteous person before God. It starts to show up in his work. It's it's probably different for me because I'm a pastor and have been a pastor uh, since the late 70's but one of the cutting edges of ministry for me is not no. I don't so quick try to say to people I'll be praying for you I try to pray for them right on the spot now, now you would think a pastor of all people should be ready to pray before worship and after worship and but it's a growing edge for me. And in our neighborhood, which is uh, relatively new in the last 10 years, most of the homes were built, uh, how do you minister in your work, and how do you minister in your witness? Well, most of the people up and down the street know I'm a pastor. I think that word's gotten out. So prayed for a neighbor. With family concerns, prayed for another neighbor. I was mowing the lawn. This person shot to me like a bullet. I shut down the lawnmower. I'm sitting on the grass. Uh, lawnmower's right here. Talks of marriage trouble. Prayed <laughs> right, right on the grass, in front of our house. Neighbor across the street. We find out that her dad died. She got to get back to Northwest Iowa. Right on the sidewalk. Prayed for her and that family. Neighbor, neighbor next to him. Brother died during COVID. Prayed for him right on the cement. Later, a year later, another brother died. of Heart stuff. Prayed for him and his wife right on, the, right on the sidewalk. He's got to go in for a triple bypass. Prayed for him right on the sidewalk. I'm learning to not just say I'm praying for you. But pray with And uh, praying not only in our work, but in our witness. Two weeks ago, one of of the opportunities of my job is to attend multiple churches with multiple worship styles and multiple preachers. The, The pastor, two weeks ago, challenged every one of us, every time we enter a place of business, treat the employees with deep respect and appreciation. Very specific. Every time you enter Lowe's or Home Depot uh, or Shields or every time you go to Aldi's or Walmart or Fairway or Hy-Vee. Did I get all the grocery stores in? Treat those employees and clerks and the person begging your groceries with appreciation. They are, they are God's creation. They are someone's child. They're likely working to maybe get a computer or iPad. Maybe they're trying to buy a car. Maybe they're paying for meds. Maybe they're just trying. Maybe they're just trying to pay the rent. And they deserve, as a follower of Jesus, Carl. They deserve a thank you. You've been very helpful. I am grateful. God, richly bless your weekend. Let's pray together. Lord, from Abel, we learn that we can't just declare ourselves righteous and we can't make ourselves righteous. We can't good deeds our way into righteousness. It's about humbly, simply saying, I'm wrong. God, forgive me. Please, I'm not good enough. Please be good enough to forgive my sin. Save me from my guilt and shame. Declare me righteous. Now, Jesus, empower us to live as righteous people. To demonstrate and sheer gratitude and appreciation for what you've done for us, Jesus. To allow this to so permeate our mind and hearts and lives. It just shows up in our worship. It shows up in our work. It shows up in our witness and how we treat one another. Use us, please, Jesus, to point many to you for the growth of your church and, Jesus, the expansion of your kingdom. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.